Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. I'm Blair Kirkhoff, and it's June 19th, or Juneteenth. I don't know about you, but I was aware of Juneteenth, that it had to do with the last slaves learning about the end of slavery. Now, this was in 1865, some two and a half years after Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. But I didn't know the specifics, so I looked them up on the Juneteenth.com website. Turns out Galveston, Texas was the last place where slaves were informed of their freedom. The occasion has enjoyed a resurgence in recent years, and that's a good thing. Not so good on this day. Still no word on the baseball season. At the beginning of the week, I was hopeful that we could have an episode about the return of baseball. Well, it's Friday, and maybe something will get done later today, but I'm not holding out hope. The latest news has the owners rejecting an offer from the players' union. I think the players have the upper hand in the public perception here, but honestly, nobody wins during this squabble. So we put off talking about baseball until this week, and so we're going to talk about it today. How great is star columnist Sam Mellinger? He's trying to lay low for a few days this week, but didn't hesitate at the chance to talk baseball. And after Sam and I talk for a while, we'll take a break, and we'll end the week on a high note. We'll hear a clip from the late, great Buck O'Neill, who tells a story from the 1942 Negro Leagues World Series when Satchel Paige, pitching for the Kansas City Monarchs, faced slugger Josh Gibson of the Homestead Grays in a critical plate appearance. But first, here's Sam Mellinger talking about the current state of the game. Okay, so no podcast for you this week, Sam Mellinger, but we're going to fill people's ears let's with a little it. melly here. Let's, yeah, let's do it. Um, I loved your column that was in the print uh, editions of the Kansas City Star this morning. The headline, Loving Baseball Still, But Major League Baseball is Making It Hard. Ain't it the truth? Ain't it the truth? Baseball just finds a way to to just, I don't know, clench your fists, clench your teeth, whatever you want to clench. It, it finds a way to do that sometimes. Yeah, it does. It's um, I, I keep thinking, I know I've mentioned this before, um, but I just keep thinking about that line that a lot of old baseball people talk about, which is, you know, you know, this is the best game because it survived despite the idiots that run it. (laughs) And it's just, I can't, you know, even, I mean, 1994 is a long time to go back and, and sort of take inventory, but um, that's the only thing that, you know, in my lifetime, at least that, um, that would rival what's going on. It's just, and, you know, look like maybe I, I, I hope I'm not like a prisoner of the moment here, but, you know, at least in 94, 95, and they canceled a dang World Series. So that's, that's, that's next level. But um, <laughs> there, there wasn't, baseball was stronger back then, um, not after the strike, but going into that, baseball was stronger than it is right now. And it just, it is endlessly frustrating to me that the sport that should have been the absolute most motivated um, to, to sort of, and I don't mean this callously, but it's true, to take advantage of this situation where they could have, you know, put itself in front of new fans and, and new people would have given it a chance that, that, that probably wouldn't otherwise. And instead of just merely missing that opportunity, they've gone way further than that and just, you know, sort of punched yeah. themselves in the face over and over and over again. It's, and, I hate it. And antagonizing their fans instead of, right. Yeah. You know, and, and look, our, the, the situation in the U.S. is different than in Korea, right? Yeah. It's totally different in terms of numbers of uh, just the, the impact of the pandemic. It's, it's, it's uh, much less in South Korea than it is in the U.S. 
But I do wake up and come downstairs and turn on the TV and find myself catching a couple, the last couple innings of a Korean baseball game and, and just thinking, you know what? Major League Baseball, this could be Major League, not at 7 in the morning, but it could be Major League Baseball playing in front of no fans or stuffed animals like they do at one of those stadiums or cardboard cutouts. Right. We this, this could be happening here, or it soon could have been happening here, and yet it's not. And so I find myself um, – by the way, have you adopted a Korean team yet? And some people have – Adopted a famous uh, or a favorite uh, Bundesliga team. Have you done one for the Korean baseball? I haven't. The the first two nights that it was on, I stayed up and watched. Then after that, I was just like, what am I doing? You know, like <laughs> kids kids are not sleeping in just because I'm watching Korean baseball. Like, I, <laughs> like what? this is not productive for my life. All right. So if you're looking for a team out there, anybody. Um, the KT Wiz should be your team. They're the they're the newest of the of, of the teams in that league, and um, and they're they're a try hard bunch. And I actually know somebody who works for KT, so which is Korea Telecom. So that's um, uh, that's the team to pull there for. There you go for a Korean uh, base. And they won today, swept uh, the Wyverns uh, <laughs> on the road. Did you so, watch? Uh, I, I, like I said, I, it, the, you know, they, 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 because of the time difference, the games are on at um, – you know, they start at like 2 in the morning or 3 right. in the morning here. But I'm up at 6, 6.30, so I'm catching the, the final innings of, of some of these games. Okay, good for you. So, yeah, how silly is that? But, that's, <laughs> but I miss baseball. I really yeah. do. And, 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 um, and you know, you, you talked about the 94-95 situation you know, 95 actually started late because of uh, because it dragged into 95. Mm-hmm. And baseball was different then. It was different in the hearts and minds of of Americans. It was different in the pantheon of of just sports and where, you know, where Americans, uh, how Americans were feeling about sports at the time. And, and baseball was still way up there. And I, I know people to this day who were still angry over what totally. happened in 1994. And the financial structure of baseball changed. And if we think about it locally, you know, how different were the Royals after <laughs> after 94, right? Yeah. Um, they, they they went from, you know, in, that was such a pivotal couple of years for the, the local nine with, you know, the retirement of George Brett, the death of Ewing Kaufman, the, the, the strike. And then, you know, 15, you know, almost 15 years of abyss for for the Royals. So... I'm hoping that as you know, as we we share the feelings that we have about the game, that at least locally we we can feel good about the team that's here, um, and maybe not that I shouldn't say the team, but the organization that's here. Because even though I kind of curse what baseball is going through right now, I'm, I'm I'm still fresh in my memory is you know what you know what Dayton Moore, what John Sherman. Um, in any player that you've that you've heard from in the last couple months, um, they seem to those guys seem to have made the right moves and have been one of the more admirable franchises in baseball. Hundred percent, and uh, you know, you just kind of got me thinking, and maybe this is a column idea for next week or something. But you know, in, in a lot of ways, the Royals th- there might not be a better example of how much baseball changed in '94 than the Royals. Uh, you know, is uh, it was as late as what ninety one, ninety two, maybe ninety three, somewhere in there. The, the Royals had the biggest payroll in baseball. Yep. 
and uh, they, they, you know, when they made the trade for David Cohn and yeah, um, you know, he was Storm Davis. Yeah, the Davis twins. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the unrelated were, twins. Yeah. <laughs> right, um, right. Yeah, and and you know, and then after that, obviously, we know we know what happened, and so. You know, the Royals may be the single best example of, of how much the game changed then. And they are probably, um, and I'd have to be convinced otherwise, but they are probably um, the best example of how baseball might be able to lead itself out of this, at least from a, from a public relations standpoint. I mean, the, the, the leadership that, that Dayton Moore, you know, just the speaking from the heart and speaking, it, it seems like he is the one person out there talking about stuff that's not money. He, he's the one guy yeah. that is sort of like not uh, – and, and look, that's his job, right? Like, uh, you know, it's not his job to worry about how much money the players are making or what profits the owners are, are able to keep. He's able to look at it from a little bit different perspective. But there's not 29 other general managers doing the same thing. And it, it's just – it's such a stark – he's not saying, you know – uh, like materially different things than he has said for a long time, but he's saying them with a little bit more volume. And, but more than that, it's the juxtaposition of what he's the message that he's putting out versus what the owners and players continue to argue about. And, uh, you know, I've had, I'm sure you have too, you know, just people in baseball, some friends that are writers, some people I know, like, you know, scouts and execs on other teams. And, you know, probably five or six times in the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, some form of Dayton for commissioner, you know, or, <laughs> you know, some like czar of the future of the game. And, you know, because he really does, you know, sometimes he can sound corny, I think, for, for people that don't know him. Sure. But um, that is his heart. And, and uh, you know, a lot of this stuff is stuff that you and I and a few others around town have heard him talk about for a long time. But he just, I can't get over the difference there of, of you know the 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 owners on the heels of record profits for years are now claiming to be poor, and um, you know the the players um, you know aren't doing themselves any favors in a lot of ways. Although the win and wear thing was brilliant, <laughs> and yeah. and that, that has taken some really good traction, and that yeah. that may be Tony Clark's best moment. Um, yeah. You know that that is that has really put the owners in a spot. Um, and so maybe there is some traction going forward, but, but either way, one of the things that I will remember the most about, you know, this pause, I guess, from baseball is the way that Dayton has, uh, you know, presented a really compelling part of, of why a lot of us love baseball. Yeah. Well, okay. I will read that column if you end up writing. (laughs) And if you do take a look at maybe the, the Royals would be the the, the great American League example of that time, but check out what happened to the Expos. Oh, after, totally. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, after 94, they had the best record in baseball mm-hmm. and were never, you know, never heard from and then shipped out of, uh, out of the, uh, out of baseball, about a, a dozen years after that. But that's a great point about, um, about Tony Clark and when in the hashtag when and where, because I don't know, I don't, I didn't know where to, uh, where my sentiments lie in, in, in this uh, in, in this duel uh, between players and owners, I try to understand both sides. But once the players, including the star, especially the stars, earlier this week, uh, Trout and Scherzer and some of the others uh, started expressing the when and where. Okay, they're they're in. You know, they they want to play. 
they've had enough of this and, and it absolutely put the onus on the owners. And I don't know, maybe, so they talked, right? They talked in Phoenix, Clark and, and, and Manfred talked in Phoenix on, on Tuesday. Yeah. And the, the brilliance of that message isn't just that it resonates with fans who are tired of all this and just want to see baseball. Part of the brilliance is in the fact that it, it, it amplifies some leverage that the players had that was very subtle until this, which is that March 26th agreement, um, it does give the owners, the right or the commissioner, the right to just sort of implement a schedule. Um, there's some reasons that the commissioner would rather do it with the, with the player's approval, uh, most notably an expanded postseason that won't be possible if the commissioner just acts on his own. But it's also full prorated salaries if, if right. the commissioner does it. And so the players, by doing it when they did, you know, okay, we're done talking about 70% of games at 70% of the salary. You tell us when and where because we know that's going to play well with, with, uh, with our fans. And we also know it's going to play well with the lawyers <laughs> because, you know, we, we have that agreement that says full pro rate if, if, uh, if you implement. So, um, yeah, go ahead and tell us when and where, but you're going to pay us the full, you know, look, these guys are still taking 50 to 70% pay cuts, um, but they are making – you know, in the words of one of the union lawyers, a full day's full day's pay for a full day's work. So, you know, yeah, they, they did meet, and it sounds like um, it was somewhat productive. I mean, it it also sounds like there's still some some details that need to be hammered out. And you know, baseball deals have been killed before um, in the details. Yes, so, sir. You know, hopefully, I think all of us hope that that that's not the case now. But um, I guess we'll see. Well, some of those details, and a lot of it is health and safety testing yeah. um, for for the virus, of course. Um, I just assume that they're going to, you know, that that's not that won't be an issue in terms of implementing the the testing. Once we see, you know, if if we see teams come up with a lot of you know positives, and by a lot I mean a couple, three, four, we'll see. We we don't know what's going to happen in in that case. We know that. You know, a couple of the college football teams that have started back, uh, notably the University of Houston, have had to shut down after starting because of, you know, too many positive tests. Yeah. So, so we, we'll we'll see what's happened there. It, it hasn't happened in Korea, right? I I watch those games and I see some of the people in the dugout with masks, some without, and but they haven't had to stop any any action uh, for for the for the COVID. Um, the other details, though, uh, looks like uniform designated hitter, uh, designated hitter in both leagues if it comes back, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, and again, re- referencing Korea baseball, advertising maybe perhaps on players' jerseys as owners look to you know look to uh, you know cash in in any way they can. Does anything that you hear, length of season, number of games, DH, any of that um, expanded postseason? turn you off uh, as, as a baseball fan or, or just make you cringe a little bit? Or um, is it just a matter of let's let's just get going? I mean, mostly it's like, let's get going. I, um, I, I don't love the National League style. <laughs> uh, I, I like the DH. I think that the, the DH is one of those, or I should say the National League rules. It's one of those things that to me sounds better in theory than it is in practice. Like once you see how the American league game goes, I understand like the strategy and I love to think ahead and, you know, think along with the manager and all those things, but it's just, there's, there's too many, you know, third or fourth inning or whatever, where, you know, um, the seven or eight hole gets on and then, you know, you just got like (laughs) four minutes of this 
poor pitcher just trying to like <laughs> butt down the third baseline. It's just like, come on, man. Like, would you rather have that or would you rather have, you know, some badass hitter that, that can put one into the seats? You know, which one is more aesthetically pleasing? You know, that that's where I land. I totally respect the purist, you know, and, and in some ways I feel like that's how I should be, but that's just not how I think that the advertisements, fine, whatever. I mean, I've always thought that that's inevitable, um, mm-hmm. you know, in all sports anyway, it'd be kind of weird if this is why that happens. One thing, I, I don't know if this is possible to know, but I, I'm curious about, you know, okay, like, great. Here's a new revenue source, right? Um, we can put an ad for uh, big O tires or whatever, just like right on, right on a Jersey. But, um, is that like display spending? You know what I mean? Like, is that like, you know, these, these sports economic impact studies that say like, you know, the big 12 basketball tournament is going to bring in $26 trillion of of revenue or whatever. Like, it's just like, does that account for people who would be spending money in Kansas city anyway? And, and with the uniform thing, does that account for, you know, if, if high V, is Hy-Vee still a sponsor of the Royals? I think they are, right? Or Price Chopper, whatever. What, what a supermarket, a yeah. local supermarket. Yeah, so. if a supermarket is already a big spender um, and a big sponsor, and now they get the jersey patch thrown in for an extra hundred grand or whatever, I, I just wonder if that's if that's money that would be on a on a fountain billboard and now is on a patch. Um, so you're not really making new money; it's just different money. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just I'm just asking questions here. Right. Um, but whatever, whatever it takes, I, you know, I, I, I'm old enough to remember, and I'm actually using this like sincerely here. I'm, I'm old enough to remember when people were kind of freaking out about the ads on the outfield walls, um, in various stadiums, including Kauffman stadium. And, you know, that's just part yeah. of the game now, you know? Yeah. That was, that was minor leaguing the major league stadium. Yeah. Right? When you yeah. Saw the, yep. When you saw the ads out in the outfield, but done well, like they, like they are in, in, um, at Kauffman Stadium, they're not obtrusive. I kind of like them. I don't know why, but I, I think it looks kind of cool. And I don't know if it's just because it looks like, you know, old pictures that I've seen of, you know, the polo grounds or whatever. Um, I don't know if that's the connection I'm making in my head. The only thing about the the advertisements on the jerseys, and this is a small thing, and I don't really care that much. But if they do it, I hope that it's more like the NBA than it is uh, like European soccer leagues. Where, you know, European soccer oh, right. leagues, you know, the thing that you see on their jerseys that's across the chest is, is the, the title sponsor. You know, it's, it's Jeep or it's, you know, yeah. Chevrolet or... Fly Emeritus. Yeah, right? yeah. So, um, I, and, and, then, and then the crest, like the team's crest in contrast is like less than half that size. And so, uh, which is great for the advertisers, right? Because now fans are equating Chevrolet with Man United. And instead of like their crest or whatever. But to me, it just, I prefer the NBA model where I see like Lakers and then in the small, it's, you know, it's, it's some advertising, but look, like I, uh, you know, you, you can do whatever you want with the uniforms. I'm going to watch. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. And I, I don't know if the, uh, if, if the Jersey that you buy in the Royals gift shop is going to come complete with the, maybe it does with the, you know, with the Coca-Cola or, Riley Auto Parts, yeah. uh, O'Reilly Auto Parts logo. Who knows? We'll see. That's yeah. um, anyway. It's yeah, it's really something I hadn't thought much about over the years. But whatever the owners think they need to do to recoup some of the money. Um, all right. Yeah. Well, so we need to protect okay. the owners' profits. So uh, well, absolutely. You know, <laughs> no, no doubt about that. Let's. Um, all right. So if it is, let's just say it's a it's a season of sixty to six, sixty to seventy games. 
and an expanded postseason of 16 teams, will baseball have a legitimate champion for 2020? Will it be seen as, you know, the Nationals of 19, the Royals of 15? Will that champion be able to stand with um, all the other World Series champions? I don't think so. I really don't. Um, And and I'm not trying to be like the old, you know, curmudgeon here, but... Me. uh, You're not trying to be me, is what you're saying. But I I really, really, really don't think so. And, you know, the the example that everybody's bringing up, and it's great because it's recent and all that, is that the, the Washington Nationals started off what, like 19 and 31, something like that um, last year. And they ended up obviously winning the World Series. So, um, you know, I guess some of it depends on, you know, like if the Dodgers end up winning the World Series, then who's going to say that that's not a good team? Um, But, you know, if the Marlins or the Orioles or the Royals, if we're just going to be honest, uh, the Tigers, you know, if if somebody, and it's possible over, you know, 66 games or whatever it ends up being, if they sneak in and then win a round or two, I mean, I, I do think that that's going to be used, uh, you know, to sort of delegitimize the postseason. But I think that's going to be done anyway, because I look like, um, you know, you and I will remember in the, you know, that 99, right, NBA season. Yep, yeah, 98, 99. Yeah, and they, they played. 50 games in the regular season. 50, okay. And, and so 50 out of 82, um, you know, they're, they're playing more than half. And 66 out of 160, they're playing significantly fewer than half. And, you know, the Spurs won that year, and the Spurs are obviously a worthy champion. But I remember hearing that, um, you know, like they didn't have to play a full season. How legitimate is this? So, you know, the, the thing that baseball – one of the things that has always separated baseball is how many damn games they play. And can you get right. through the grind and the dog days of August, you know, all, all that stuff. And that doesn't exist now. Now it's, it's a sprint. It's almost like a college season. Um, you know, that's not going to be far off from, from what college teams play. So I, I do think it won't be um, as legitimate. Absolutely. How, how could it be? Right. Well, it'll, it'll almost seem like an invitational tournament championship, right? Um, yeah. The, yeah. the, the winning the preseason in IT and not the NCAA title sort yeah. of thing. Maybe a little bit more than that, but in that kind of in that realm. Yeah, I, I guess my hope would be that um, that it would be seen as sort of a curiosity, and and maybe there is a way to, uh, you know, because let's face it, like some of the people that that don't give baseball a chance or have and don't like it, some of that is just because there's so many damn games, and how much does this one game really matter when there's 161 others, and. Uh, I, I maybe and maybe this is just too you know Pollyanna or whatever, but maybe some people would tune in. Okay, well now every game really does matter, and this is kind of different and interesting, and the league can you know experiment with different rules and 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 you know try to make it because if it's already going to be sixty six instead of one sixty two, you, you know the the genie's out of the bottle or the cat's out of the bag or whatever. So you might as well yeah. try some other stuff to see, you know, throw it against the wall, see what sticks and, and make your game stronger going forward. I agree. I agree. All right, Sam. Uh, at least we, at least we can still talk a good game. Here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. um, I, look, I'm hoping all this stuff comes into play that we, we can argue whether it's a legit champ yeah. or the DH should be in both and that sort of thing. I'm, I'm really hoping that this gets resolved really soon. All right, Sam. Thanks for spending some time, buddy. Okay. Thanks, Blair. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. 
your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. And we couldn't leave our baseball talk on a sad note, so let's finish the episode with the voice of Buck O'Neill. I found this clip on YouTube of Buck telling the story of Satchel Paige facing Josh Gibson in the 1942 Negro Leagues World Series. Paige was pitching for the Kansas City Monarchs. Gibson played for the Homestead Grays. They're two of the greatest baseball players of all time. And when baseball opened its Hall of Fame to former Negro League players in the early 1970s, they were among the first two in. Okay, there's some embellishment here to be sure. That was Buck, the greatest storyteller I ever met. But the outcome is accurate. Let Buck tell the rest. Satchel Page always thought he was the greatest pitcher in the world, and Josh Gibson thought he was the greatest hitter in the world, and we did too. And Satchel and Josh in this World Series ball game, Satchel pitching, and we got a ball game one against his Monarchs with two out in the ninth inning. The first place hitter, he tripled on Satchel. We got two out, so that didn't bother us in at all. So Satchel called me, he said, hey, Nancy, come here. I said, what do you want, Satchel? He said, let me tell you what I'm fixing to do. I said, what are you fixing to do? He said, I'm going to walk Howard Eastland. I'm going to walk, walk Buck Leonard. I'm going to preach to Josh Gibson. I said, man, don't be facetious. He said, that's what I'm going to do. I said, time. I called, the, um, I called the manager, who was Frank Duncan, great ball player with himself. I said, Frank, uh, you got to listen to what Satchel said. And so Satchel told him what was going to happen. And so in walking Beastland and walking Buck Leonard to fill the bases, now, when he was walking Buck, Josh was in the circle, you know, with a guy standing next to him. And he talking to Josh all the time. Said, Josh, do you remember the day when uh, we were playing on the same team and I told you that one day we were going to meet and we were going to see who was the best? He said, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, Satchel. said, all right. said, now it's the time to prove this thing. So when Josh comes up to the bat, listen, let me tell you what this man did. He said, time. He called the trainer, who our trainer was, was, was Jew Baby Floyd. And I don't know why they called him Jew Baby, because he was black as me. But anyway, when Jew Baby comes out with his, his you know, like the, the smock that the doctor would wear, and he's got uh, a concoction in a glass. He's got a glass. he got some water. And he puts this, I guess Alka-Seltzer or something, he pulls this in that water, and it fizzes, and Satchel drinks it down. He lets out a belch. I can hear it, but nobody has heard it. And so he said, now nah, I'm ready. So the fans, now they know what's happening. Now everybody, we got to have 40,000 people. They're standing. And here comes Satchel. Satchel said, you know, Josh? Say, I'm going to throw you some fastball. I'm going to throw you a fastball belt high. Boom. Strike one. Josh didn't move the bat. He said, now, I'm going to show you another, throw you another fastball, but this is going to be faster than the other fastball. Boom, strike two. He said, now, Josh, I've got you two strikes and no balls. You know, in this situation, I'm supposed to knock you down, you know, brush you back. He said, but 
Uh-uh. I'm not going to throw any smoke at you, yo. I'm going to throw a peach and he, boom, strike three. And when he struck him out, he, you know, Satchel must be 6'5". Satchel stretched out, looked like he was seven feet tall, and he walked off the field and walked by me and said, you know what, Nancy? Nobody hit Satchel. That was the end of that story. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Savannah Smith, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Sam Mellinger for joining me today to talk baseball. Hey, earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about the Sports Pass offer. It still stands, still a good one, 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage. And that includes the Sports Extra with the E-Edition. There's more than 20 additional pages of national sports coverage today. Here's an even better offer. Buy the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus extra news, sports, and business coverage. The details can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Monday with a new episode.